Amen. Come on. Let's go. Man, I'm excited. I love coming to church, and I'm glad that you're here today. Thank you, choir and orchestra, praise team. I mean, they, uh, they do a great job. Amen. Amen. Let's give them a hand. definitely okay to honor people as they honor God, and uh, they get here and they work hard, and so we're, uh, we're glad that they do because uh, that was good. Are you hearing me? That was, that was good. So turning your Bibles to the Gospels, turn to the book of John to start with, and uh, we are beginning a, a uh, or continuing a, a sermon series here today, and uh, this is usually the time in our service where we uh, stop and, and give ourselves an opportunity to give, and so it's the same way each week. You can give through, um, through, just like you always do. We just don't pass the place. The buckets are on the outside. You can give on our website, lindylane.org. You can go through those steps. You can text LOBC to seven three two five six, and uh, you can follow those prompts and give that way. Uh, but but as the scripture says, nobody should give reluctantly out of pressure, uh, but he should decide in his own heart how to how to proceed with that. And so. Uh, we put that opportunity before us today as, as uh, we need the opportunity to express faith, I'll tell you that. And then uh, before we pray, I'd like to kind of connect the opportunity to give that something that happened this week. Um, actually, Friday, Friday was in my office and, uh, and, and trying to wrap up studying for the week. And uh, as, as I'm there, our staff is off on Fridays, and, and, um, and, and again, I was just trying to finish up. And so somebody came from the outside, and I knock on my door, and uh, somebody said, there's somebody out here that uh, is, is needing help or there's somebody that they're trying to help. So I said, all right. So I went outside and uh, there's a lady in the car and she says, I've just met two gentlemen down the road. I, my church is in Huntsville, so we can't immediately do anything right now. She said, I just stopped to see if y'all could help them. See, and we did, by the way. We're going to talk more about that. But we, we helped these two gentlemen. In fact, we helped them that day and invite them to come back today. And, and they're trying to make it home. We try to help them again today. People stop by here because they think we help folks. Are you hearing me? People stop by here assuming that the church will meet the needs of people. And they ought to. And so I don't know if they heard about us or not and and how we we treat people. And I hope they did because I want to be a part of an organization like that. Where where they roll up and, and think when they get here that you will help somebody. And so we were able to do that, and, and so I, I think about it just like hopefully you would think about it. When I have a, an opportunity to help somebody that's presented in front of me, I think to myself, would the church who gives this money want to help these folks? I do think that way. And we try to be considerate of, of dollars that belong to the kingdom of God. And uh, so we were able to help them and help them again this morning, hopefully helping them to get back home. But uh, your generosity has been inspiring and encouraging, and uh, we're just trying to be good stewards of that. And I feel like I should tell you when, when we do. And that's just the tip of the iceberg, but um, I'm, so, I'm so proud to be a part of a church that, uh, that wants to help people and, and have wanted to help people for a long time. And so we, we plan on continuing that. Amen? Let's pray together as we begin the message. Lord, we thank you so much. We bow our heads and acknowledge that you are Almighty God that we are, are nothing and you are everything. God, we acknowledge that uh, you've created us, but Lord, in our sin, we remain separate from you. So God, we thank you for the good news that you've made a way for us to be right with you, that you've made a way for us to be saved, and we're grateful for that. And I pray today, O oh Lord, uh, that, that you would speak to our hearts. God, if, if we're right with you, that you draw us even closer. And Lord, if we're distanced from you, that you draw us in. And uh, God, I just, I just pray, O oh Lord, that, that, that your heart behind these words would come through 
And we ask, oh God, that you continue to, to bless our church and provide for us, but Lord, that we would be good stewards of your provision. And God, we, we also just, uh, just ask today, oh Lord, that you would keep us safe. We do pray that you would protect us, but we also pray that you would use us, Lord, for your glory and for the good of people. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we, we are continuing our, our sermon series called Connect Card Christianity. And, and you can fill out a Connect Card if you're a guest. You can do that here through, through this and let us know how we can pray for you. Let us know how we can plug you in. Or you can go online to our website and you can click the, the Connect Card there and follow the prompts and we can get you plugged in. Uh, but there's a lot on this card that says a lot about who we are, who we should be. In the first series, the first message of the series, we talked about our name and our reputation. And then we talked about our address, our spiritual address, where we really live for real according to our relationship with God. And then thirdly, uh, which is today, if you look on the back, the first line there says, I am a guest of, and then it lists a fill in the blank. I'm a guest of, and it lists a fill in the blank. I want to I wanna make a personal challenge to you and to me as we are thinking about outreach this morning that before January gets here, somebody will put our name on that line. Somebody will put our name that they have come to this church by a invitation from us to be here. And we're going to talk about the motives why, but as we take that challenge, let me explain this. An, an invitation to church is, is not so that we can have increased attendance. It's not. And an invitation to church is not fulfilling a religious obligation. Like, that's what we're Christians. We Christians invite people to church. That's what we do. Let's check that box. Like, that's not the reason, the reason why. An invitation is for the purpose of inviting someone to experience the transforming love and power of Jesus Christ. You know, and, and I would hope, you know, people, you know people, people invite me to church. Y'all know that? And I'm, I'm serious. And I'm like, well, man, if I can make it, I'll come. But it ain't looking good. You know what I mean? Like, I would love to be there. But when people invite me to church, I do not get offended by that. If people invite you to church, don't be offended. Because the truth is, is I really believe when people are inviting other people to church, they want you to get right with God and know God and go to heaven, if I can just make it real plain. They want you to go to heaven, and, and for lack of better words that they could use, and maybe even they don't know how to tell you, they just want you to come and get there. That's it. So don't be offended if somebody invites you because they just want you to bust heaven wide open. That's, that's the truth. But as we talk about taking this, this challenge today and talking about the reasons why we make these invitations People here will get the invitation to respond to God, to call out to God by faith, believing that he is the only God, the almighty God, that he's made a way for their right standing through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the power of his Holy Spirit for the power in their own living. This is the reasons why we would invite people and we will give people an opportunity to respond to that word. Depending on who you talk to or who you read, an invitation to church as it relates to evangelism is considered junior varsity, not varsity. A lot of times, depending on who you read and who you listen to, an invitation to church is downplayed as, as something that, well, that's all well and good, but what we're really trying to get to, right? And so with that, I, I would say that I respectfully disagree with that, that inviting people to church is a real part of faith sharing, and there's four reasons why I want to tell you that I biblically believe that we should be inviting people to church and should ask the question, who's coming with you? Number one, because it's a start. Because it's a start. An invitation to church is, is not the end goal of evangelism training. It, it's, it's not the, if it's a process leading to an event, it's not the event. And while it's part of sharing our faith, it's certainly not 
the, the end goal method of our training, of our reaching. In fact, recent stats would say that for believers who are not in church and then those who are not coming to church because they're not believers, the way that they would want to be invited, according to research, is through a personal one-on-one relationship that exists before the invitation to church comes. So even the stats would tell us that an invitation to church is good, but it's not the end goal, right? And I think we would all probably acknowledge that. Again, it's a part of faith sharing. I would call it pre-evangelism. It's done before we actually get to sharing the gospel. But listen, y'all, it's something. It's something. It's a start. And it's a good start. And it's a good work. In my own personal experience, willingness to invite people to church is a good growth step in the right direction of beginning to share our faith. It's a good step towards personal evangelism. When I was in the student ministry in the church that I grew up in, there were times that we were challenged to go out even as teenagers. And as teenagers, we would like knock on people's doors. And I know this sounds real religious, but I can also tell you, like, I just believe in it. (laughs) I just believe inviting you to a place where we preach the gospel because God changed my life and gave me a new direction. So I just believe in it. So we would go on faith, not really knowing exactly what we were all supposed to do. And I'm serious. We would knock on a certain person's door and we would say, hey, we would love for you to come to church with us. And, and we believe Jesus loves you and wants you to be saved. So here's our information. And, and would you come to church? We'd, we'd love to have you. And I think God really protected that because as students, I think that's all we needed to say because <laughs> we didn't have a whole lot of the answers at that time. But I knew that we were supposed to do something with what God had given to us. That we're supposed to do something with it. And it's, it's a start. And, and so because it is, we need to consider adding that to a regular part of our week. Now, I want you to consider with me that the woman at the well in John chapter 4. In John chapter 4, Jesus is going to engage this woman at the well. The woman at the well was a Samaritan. She was the one that was in that culture on the outside, always looking in. The disciples were not there. If they had been there at that time, they would have probably discouraged him from reaching out to her. But because God and God, because Jesus is God and he loves all people and gave himself for the sins of the world, that was all right by him. And so he reaches out to this Samaritan woman, and and as he's doing that, he asks her for a drink of water as he's been walking. and, And knowing her story, even before he gets there, because he's going to tell her what's going on in her life, and only God can do that. As Jesus sitting there asking for a drink of water because he's fully man, but knowing her whole life story because he's fully God, he deals with her sin and reveals to her because she has a religious context saying to her that that he is the Messiah, the one that you've been waiting on to, to answer all your spiritual questions, the one that you've been waiting on to reveal God to you. He was like, I'm him. I'm the guy. And, and he proved that by the information that he would be able to give her about her life. He didn't let her off the hook when it came to sin, all those things. And she believed because the scripture says that faith comes by hearing the word of God. That's what it says. Was she immature in her faith and young in her faith? Absolutely. But here's what I want you to see in verse 28. The woman, the Bible says, the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see. Come and see a man who's told me everything that I ever did. Could it be possible that he is the Messiah? And so again, this woman, not not really knowing anything more than her own experience at this point, she was a kid in the faith. She, She was young and wanting in her maturity, but in her excitement that she's experienced the Savior, what does she do? She goes back to her context and tells everybody, just just come on and see what I'm talking about. This is what kids do, do they not? 
Anytime there's something free, it could be hand grenades. And kids will be like, I got one free. You got what free? It doesn't matter. Yeah, you're right. Let's go. Like, just, let's go see what it is. And so we take this and we're like, yeah, but it's not that. Well, listen, that kind of excitement about who God is in your life is not a childish faith. It's a childlike faith. Come and see. Just come and experience. I've got forgiveness in my life. God has restored my marriage. God has set us on the right path. God is, is always there. He's always available. There's hope in eternity. We grieve, but it's not without hope. It's with hope. Come and experience this. Can, you answer, can I answer all your questions? I hope so, but if I can't, just come and let's work it out together through the revealed word of God. So this is, and, and you see, this is in her excitement. Would you speak well of church? I mean, if you get up on Sunday mornings and roll your eyes about why you have to be here, man, it's time for a heart check. We need to have a conversation. I don't care how long this place has been here. If it's 150 years from now, as long as you're as excited about your faith as we are everything else, if we speak well of this place, we'll be just fine to invite people to church. Just fine with it. And, and when you read this, I want you to, we, we should ask the question, when we read the scripture, is there an example to follow when you read the Bible, you, you should ask that question. What does this teach us about God? What does this teach us about man? And then you should ask other questions. One of those questions is, is there an example to follow? Is this not an example to follow? That all of her questions have been answered in Jesus, and then what happened? She began to think of others. And as she began to think of others, she went to get them and tell them it's free and to come on back. Now, I also want you to notice that the woman at the well had no evangelism training. She had not been to a foundation class. The woman at the well had not been through a, a system of discipleship. And all those things are great. And in fact, the church needs to have those things as we are trying to get everybody going in the same direction. But it was just out of the overflow that was in her heart. She went to those in her context and said, come and see what's going on. I, I, I think that's a great place to start sharing our faith. It's a start. It's something and it should be included. And there's no reason why we should be embarrassed about inviting people to church. Man, we just want people to get right with God. So what do we do? We tell them to come and hear how you can. Look at verse 30. Verse 30 says, so the people came. They came streaming from the village to see him. Listen, there, there's one of two things that can happen when you invite people to church. They're going to tell you no or yes. That's it. And they're not coming anyway, so why would you not invite them, <laughs> right? I mean, I'm serious about that. Like, there, there's times when, when I think about what we should preach on, what we should not preach on, like preaching on church attendance for those who believe and, and are dedicated to the church. Like, man, maybe we shouldn't hit on that too much. Well, they're not here anyway. We might as well go on ahead. And that's what I think about invite. If people are not here, the invitation is because we want them to come in because we believe in what we're doing. And we believe in what we're doing because we are led by the word of God that stands forever. So it's a good start. Secondly, the reason why we should ask the question who's coming with you and extend an invitation is because it makes sense. It just makes biblical principled sense. Now again, keep in mind, I do not think that an invitation church is the end goal of evangelism, but it does make biblical sense and it's a good start. I would say that a relationship with people and ownership knowledge of our faith, a boldness to share when God's Spirit leads us is the place of maturity we want to get to in our faith in Jesus Christ. But I want to, let, I want to build on this idea that, that an invitation to church is a good biblical start. 
Some may say that there's no defining scripture to support an invitation to church. Like there's no one key scripture that you could look at that says, thus saith the Lord, invite people to church. And that may even be true. But while there is no defining verse, there is certainly biblical principle. And we use biblical principle all the time. What does the scripture say specifically about global warming? What does the scripture say specifically about abortion, about voting in an election? You see, the, the, the distance between God's word of truth and the way that we live in the world is principle. That's the connecting point. It's biblical principle as it's found throughout the scripture. So on this note, Jesus himself, when he is discussing rejection of the truth by many within the nation of Israel. If you turn your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 14. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 14. As he is discussing this rejection of truth by God's chosen people, many of them, he is going to illustrate this rejection and then the acceptance of the Gentiles. He's going to illustrate this receiving of salvation this way. Luke chapter 14, verse 16. This is what the Bible says. A man prepared a great feast, and he sent out many invitations. Think about that. Think about that. A man prepared a great feast, and he sent out many invitations. Now, if you read verses 17 through 19, this is going to reveal that the nation of Israel, particularly the leaders of the Jewish nation, received the invitation. Jesus was speaking that he himself would fulfill all the prophecy that they had read about. Jesus was speaking about he would be himself the finished work of redemption. And because they were God's chosen Old Testament people, that he being the the Messiah, the original invitation to them was for them. But it also explains that many of them made excuses and missed it. All right? That's all in verses 17 through 19. Jesus invited those in the nation of Israel first. And then when that invitation was rejected, we get to verses 21 through 23 that shows us that then God sent his salvation to just all broken people after that. Broken people in broken places, the scripture says, to anyone the servant could find. Because it's not God's desire that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance is what the Bible says. And so in that, God is is in this illustration sending servants out to find anybody that would come to the banquet. Why? So that the house would be filled. And in this parable, God demonstrates his willingness to save sinners. And the illustration that he uses, church, is this. A man with a good big meal at the house who by his servants is going to send out invitations to everybody that will come. Come and see. Come and eat. Come and dine. Come and drink. Therefore, it makes principled biblical sense. If there's something worth inviting to, then invite them to it. If, there, if, if there's anything of worth that's going on in here today, during the week, anytime we gather, group, or move, if there's any time that we do that and it's a value and you think it is church, you think it is Christian, then invite somebody to come with you. Because it's worth it. There are still people hungry and thirsty Still people wanting, still people broken. And it's an open invitation to all that would come and dine here in the scripture. Now, this week we brought our staff, the question in our staff briefing, I said, is there any particular verse of scripture that says we should be inviting people? And so as they began to think, they were thinking like me, the principles within scripture, Andrew in chapter, in John chapter one, verse 42, a follower of Jesus brought Simon to meet Jesus, a family member compelling another family member just to come and hear the truth of God's word because they just love you. They love you. 
They want you to go to heaven. They want you to be right with God. Like that, don't be offended by that. And this is what happens with, with Simon as he, he's meeting Jesus. That was preceded by Jesus giving an invitation to another seeker wanting to know more about Jesus. And he said, where are you staying? And Jesus did not say, let me, let me give you a, a pen and your GPS and show you the way to get to where I'm staying. Or explain to him where he was staying. You know what he said? He said, come and see. The hospitality of Jesus. Just come and see and come and check it out. Then there are the friends in Mark chapter 2 that bring their friend to Jesus and they lower him down through the roof as he's paralyzed. And the only way that they can see to get him in front of the healer is to bring him and cut a hole open and drop him down in front of the, in front of the Lord. You see, all of these demonstrate this, this compelling force of, of love to see a soul saved, a life changed. And it begins with what? An invitation. Don't downplay your invitation. Don't downplay it. Revelation twenty two seventeen. the spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Now, in those two verses of scripture, or those two sentences, this is the spirit of God and the church of God calling out to God going, Lord Jesus, come and make all this right down here. Please come back and right the ship. Take care of all this in, in one wave of your hand. But then look at the next part of that. Let anyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who desires to drink freely from the water of life. Come on. Like the reason why this is here. And church, we need to keep this in mind as we are hoping that Lord Jesus has just come back. And we get to this place, don't we? Where we expect for Jesus to come back as we see in the scriptures. And sometimes we have that kind of day where you're like, come Lord Jesus, come. 2020 has involved a lot of those days. But what the other part of that scripture is, that there are still people that are thirsty. There are still people that are hungry. Some of them don't even know it. They're wasting away as what they really need to fill the void in their life is the one true God. And the scripture says, by an invitation, let anyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who desires to drink, desires drink freely from the water of life. If you're thirsty, if you're thirsty, I can bring you a bottle of water or I can show you where the water fountain is and invite you to come to me with the water, to, to the water. Either way, we want you to be hydrated. You see the end goal? Come and see or go and tell. While we may think that one is a better end goal, they still both want you to drink. They still both want you to be hydrated. So again, don't make too much of an invitation, but don't take it too light either. It makes sense. Here in this church, we preach the gospel. We teach the word of God. There's fellowship in here. It's fun to be in here. There's ministry to broken people here. When we gather, group, and move, if there's something going on worthwhile, make sure that you bring someone with you when you come. And I, I can also tell you that you live in North Alabama, most of us, so most people know church and definitely not offended by an invite to church. In fact, go ahead and bring them up. Sometimes you'll get this. I know we need to be in there to start doing this thing like we all do. Start rubbing our head and shaking it and backing up. I do that too. They won't be a, they, in fact, I believe if they're a believer, God's Spirit's already working on them to be there. So God's going ahead and taking care of the work on that end. And if they're a lost person, you can't get them saved anyway. That's the Spirit of God's job. So let God's Spirit lead you to an invitation to somebody. I will also say this, if you are delaying an invitation because you ain't got it all together, you can, you can stand in line forever for that. And if you are delaying an invitation until there's maturity in your faith and you can share through a system, that's an excuse just for you not to make an invitation. 
That's all that is. So inviting people to church is definitely a good start, and it makes biblical principles sense. And then thirdly, look at this. Inviting people to church because go isn't specific. Because go isn't specific. Have you ever noticed how general the Great Commission verses can be? Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Some of you know where we're going already. Some of you can quote these verses. But have you ever noticed how go is in general? Jesus came and he told his disciples, I've been given all authority on heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Now, the primary weight of Jesus' command for those who believe is to make disciples, leading, living, and teaching others here, there, and everywhere to follow Jesus. Now, the Bible says, teach these new disciples to obey. I want to share with you something, because a lot of us will see that and go, well, I'm not a teacher. Can you teach somebody to obey? Parents, you can tell me you're not a teacher all day long, but if we have kids, we're going to try to teach them to do what? Abide by the standard. See, we, we, make it, we make it so hard as to say, well, I'm not a real teacher. Well, God's saying, if you're a follower of Christ, live under my standard and just show other people how to do the same thing. And so the, the, the primary weight of Jesus' command is for, for those of us who are his to go and to make disciples. And I'm just going to tell you, before they put that casket over me, I want to make sure that I've done some of that before I leave here. I want to say that I've been a part of disciple-making because the directive of the Lord Jesus Christ is to go and make disciples. And I'm not talking about where you are in your spiritual walk or what's going right, what's, what's not going right, how much you know, how much you don't know. But that's a directive to push our life towards the end goal that Jesus has, which is to go reach people, flip them from sin to saint in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the power of his Holy Spirit. And we ought to be a part of that work at least, at least. Now, I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you that. But the act of going is the prerequisite to accomplishing the task. The act of going. In other words, that one word, two letters, go, assumes evangelism. But notice how broad that evangelism call is. The Great Commission given by Jesus still being followed all over the world today by those who desire for all nations to come to a saving relationship with the one true God Begins not with a strategy. It doesn't begin with a plan. It begins with the Lord just saying, y'all go on. Go. But see, those who are following him spent so much time with Jesus that they knew what it meant when he said it. They just went on because they knew what he had in mind. I've studied through five reputable commentaries this week, and none of them gave any specifics to that word go. Not one. It's been said that evangelism is, is a, a part of a process leading to an event. Don't assume that every part of the process looks the same or in every situation. Is inviting people to church part of that go? Yes. Absolutely. If I said to you, I need you to go to the store and get me a gallon of milk. I need you to go to the store and get me a gallon of milk. What would we do? Well, let me think about and determine the ways, the best ways in which I can get there. And then I'll come back 
through this route. I'll take the service roads. That'll cut some time off of it. I don't care how you go. I want milk with my cereal. That's just it. I just want you to go get milk and, and, and bring it back. See how we analyze? Do you know by this word go, there are books written on this entire word? There are conferences held on this word go. I am not making light of those things because this meaning and directive given by Jesus is absolutely worth the books and the conferences. But the method for our movement from the Lord to his church was just given in a word, y'all. Go. Go. I believe Jesus didn't lay out this, this detailed plan again because he lived before his disciples. And the disciples spent time with him. They listened to his word. They followed his ways. And they desired to bring glory to God and to help people. And so in their desire to follow Jesus, they, they did so so closely that they knew what it meant when he said, just go. And they watched him preach in the temple. And then they watched him him teach and preach on the mountainside. They watched him as he welcomed Nicodemus in for some Q&A and gave, gave some light to a man that was approaching him in the darkness. They watched him engage the woman at the well, the untouchables. They watched Jesus do this. They watched Jesus invite himself to Zacchaeus' house. Now, I don't know how that's going to work for us because if we just approach somebody on the street and say, you got anything to eat at home because I'm coming over, <laughs> that probably works better for God. But at the same time, at the same time, they, they saw Jesus do all of these things. And so what to observe from the method is, or is the method or not the method, what to observe is, is his motive was always to please the Father and to help people. When we have an attitude and a desire to please God and help people, we already know what go means. We just do it. And also to, to downplay an invitation to church as having no relation to evangelism, is to discount how many people got saved. How many, many people came to church and heard the word of God and got saved by it. Are we so high and mighty now we would say, well, an invitation to church ain't going to get it. Really? Because I'm one of them. My parents didn't invite me to church. They told me I had to go. Somebody say amen to that. My mama and daddy because they did not want religion in my life, but because they wanted me to know God and live by his standard and be right with him and go to heaven, invited me to go to church. They didn't really invite me and my sister to go to church. They were just like, y'all, we going to church. Get in the car. It's that time of the day. And so we did. And as I, I, again, I think about this every time I come to church and God used it in a big way. But as I look back to this part of the congregation back here in the back left corner, as I was not expecting anything to happen that night, the preacher was sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. I recognized by the Spirit's pull that I was a sinner. I needed God. God was righteous. He made a way for me. And I went home and I called upon the name of the Lord Jesus to be saved, not knowing everything, but just expressing real faith. And God saved me according to the word of God. And that happens with somebody who loved me bringing me here. That's it. Just go. Just go. And do it. Just be a part of it. Again, the Holy Spirit takes the pressure off of us. as It's God's job to save. And I would imagine as, as if we talk, if, if I even had a, a show of hands, how many people came and heard the gospel and the seed was planted and, and you ended up getting saved and like it would be all over the building. Even at Lindsay Lane East, I remember that people would come in by an invitation and they showed up one Sunday, Sunday and they ended up staying six years. 
Because, because God's Spirit began to work on their heart and they had something then that they had never had before and they got right with God and God began to shape them and mold them and community started taking place and it happened and it started with just a simple, serious invitation from somebody. Oh, and there's going to be evangelism training here for sure and, and we'll lay out strategies and we'll do all those things because we all want to be on the same page but we can't forget, we just need to seek to be led by God's Spirit and go tell people when the opportunity comes. And an invitation to come and see is a good start because go is in general. Lastly, the reason to bring somebody with you is because people are still in need. The very idea of an invitation is because people are on the outside needing in. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. And the scripture says, as you were turning there, and I'll give you a few more moments as I vamp. All right. Matthew eleven, twenty-eight through 30, the, the Bible says Jesus said. Now, don't miss that because when the Bible says Jesus said, that means God says it. Like, this is the heart of God. And, and, and I, again, I want us to see that because sometimes I think we have this picture of God like God is, is out to get somebody. Or the, and maybe the church misrepresents who God is. So, yeah, just hear it from God's word himself. The scripture says Jesus said, come to me. All you who are weary and those who carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. That is God's heart to people. And then God says, take my yoke upon you, my my load. Take my load upon you and let me teach you because I'm gentle and I'm humble at heart and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Jesus' yoke, the, the load that Jesus gives us to bear is easier in contrast than to that of suppressive religion. All other religions would lead towards working your way to God. That we must be so good, so pure, so holy, that the way that we get in is based off good works. And even by those religions, it's not one of those things where, well, we're just doing the best we can. Well, when God's holy and we're just doing the best we can, that ain't going to get it. He's perfect. So a works-based religion is, is not do good, it's do perfectly. Because God is, is holy. So there must be this perfect working to be right with God. And what Jesus called this in Matthew 23, 4 is unbearable religious demands. In other words, you can't pull this off. You can't do it. In order to be right with a holy God and live so perfect that you are right according to the law, that, that means not only your actions, that means your attitudes and everything in between. Jesus says these are unbearable religious man's demands. And so Jesus is teaching that his burden is light. He says, come to me all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I'll give you rest from all that. Now notice the burden that Jesus gives is light, but it ain't without weight. He says it's light. He doesn't say it doesn't weigh anything. If you read the word of God, you will understand that there's a heavy responsibility to honor God with our life as we see it in the scripture. And you would even find out that there's going to be times where we absolutely blow it. We cannot live up to it. Even as God's spirit is within us, working to give us the desires that please God, a lot of times we will step back and give those desires to our flesh and we mess up. 
so, so how, does, how does this work? Because there's also a weight to carry with Jesus. And I think that that's actually true. But, but the, the burden with Jesus is light because the character of Jesus is light. Meaning this, his character is humble and gentle. And so that's why he says, don't forgive just a few times, but a lot of times. Not just 70 or 7, but 70 times 7. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is God's character of gentleness and humility coming out in those who would believe. So we can either take the yoke upon us that says, I'm going to work my way to get to heaven and it ain't ever going to happen. Or we can sign on as God is drawing us in to a right relationship with him and be under his grace and his mercy forever. And there must be repentance of sin and a, and a genuine turn to God. Yes, that's, that's serious. That's how real salvation works. As you are convicted for sin, you turn to God and desire to follow him because God is working within you. But, but there's also his grace that is sufficient in your weakness and the power that the Spirit gives that we don't have. And, and to attempt to get to God or to get to heaven outside of God's grace and his power is to do all that you can But then you find out you just can't. And where does that leave you? Exhausted. Weary. It it leads you where it says you're carrying heavy burdens. And in the context, the the Jews and the Jewish leaders were giving all these restrictions, all these laws. And again, uh, according to what they saw that was right. But it wasn't that they were saved by obeying the, the law. It was the law that showed them how they needed to be saved. And And so... Not only when you try to get to God, but when you try to do everything on your own. When we try to do everything on our own, we end up exhausted. And then when we try to do everything on our own and it blows up, then we left with guilt and shame and regret. And, and, and even when we hear how, how precious we, we think we are in the, the sight of God, we don't buy it because we know who we are. And that's a terrible place to be. And we're weary and we're heavy laden. And that's when Jesus sends an invitation and he says, come to me you're tired and you're weary and you don't know how it all goes, I'm gentle and I'm humble at heart. No one else but God can forgive sins. No one else but God can determine spiritual life. No one else but God owns the truth. How much do we think of ourselves to think that we could create truth that God would believe it? No one else but God can determine all the things that are are real. And and no one else but God can declare you precious in his sight when you don't feel it. No one else but God, when you feel so insecure about who you are, can tell you that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. No one else but God. And then when God says that you can stand on it because he has all authority. If you're there, you, you know, you should know that God himself says to you in his word in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, come to me. What is that? It's an invitation. That's what it is. It's an invitation. It's an invitation to rest. Do you know that the scripture, that word, when it says, come to me, all you are weary and heavy, carry heavy burdens, I will give you rest. That word rest actually means refreshment. Can you think the first time you ever had refreshments as a kid? Can you think about that? I remember, no joke, I remember the first time I ever tasted Gatorade. And I realize as I say that how old I, I must be as I say that. The first time I ever tasted Gatorade, I can actually remember it. I went to a baseball camp when I was little. It was at Calhoun. The University of Alabama used to put it on with along with Shelton State. We went over there. It was in the summertime. We were hot, and we worked us, and all this kind of stuff. We practiced, and, 
And uh, man, it seemed like it went on forever and we were drained and we were just sweating. And then we get over to the side and this is before every parent in the world sends six water bottles and three protein bars with their kids before you go anywhere. My parents were like, you got your glove? Yes, sir. Well, then get out. There's the it's time to practice. <laughs> and I can remember coming to the side and they were like, all right, y'all get you some Gatorade. And I was like, I ain't never had Gatorade before. This is going to be great. They gave us a white plastic cup that was about half the size of this water bottle. Put it in my hand, and it was orange. I remember it was orange Gatorade. And I taste, I can still taste that Gatorade today. It tasted like a steak. You know what I'm saying? I took, a, I took a sip of that Gatorade, and then I took all of it down after that, and I was ready to get back and play again because I had been refreshed. This, this is the heart of God. That God would not have our life just to be a complete struggle. There is suffering. There is suffering in this world for sure. But in Christ, there can be victory because he is gentle and humble at heart. And every single time, we, we get so exhausted and we get so ashamed and we get so insecure. Listen to the scripture that God's word says, come to me. All you are weary and heavy burden, and I'll give you rest. My yoke is easy, and the burden I give you is light. So, so why? Why should we invite people to church? Because it's a good start, because it makes biblical sense, because the word go is broad in scope, and because there's still people that are just hurting. Just know that. There are still people in your neighborhood, in your place of work, in your family, that you may not be weak and heavy burden, but they are, even if they don't wear it on their face. So an invitation to church may unlock some of those things. And if you've received this invitation to his salvation, the invitation now is yours to give. It's yours to give. All those reasons are we, why we should invite people to church. And I, I want to do this because it's 1125 and we started at 1030, which means I got five minutes left. So bear with me. I want to give you some encouragement, some thoughts to think about when you invite people to church. Because look at me. We can do it. We can do it. I'm serious. We can invite people to church, get past the awkwardness. We can do it. Here's something to think about. Invitations are better received from friends. Invitations are better received from people who have existing relationships. There's a, thought, a school of thought that says win them to you, win them to the church, win them to the Lord. And so within this process is that first step, which is winning them to you, which is just being friends. An invitation to church is better received from a friend. because Why? Because friends know that the other one cares about them. Like it's not a religious thing. We really want you to be helped. And so invitations, again, are better from those you have existing relationships with. Listen to these two quotes. One comes from an author. He says, you know what's awkward? Going to a new church. You know what's worse? Going to a new church when you're not already friends with someone who's there. Can I also tell you something else? When you invite people to church, can you not just invite them to church but tell them you'll be here and when they get here, you will show them around and help them to find everything that they need? You know, don't just say like, man, y'all come, it's going to be great, you'll figure it out. <laughs> well, if you're like me and you grew up in a church, again, that was, well, was smaller, to, to come into a larger church can be a little overwhelming. You don't have all of the questions answered. You have not checked out the website. Maybe you should have, but you didn't. And so you get here and you're wondering what to do. So don't just invite people. If you have a relationship with them, go the extra mile and say, I'll meet you at this time. You can come to the gathering space. If you don't know where that is, just call me and I'll meet you somewhere. We'll get you taken care of. Listen to this. Another author said, it's nice to go to church that's friendly. It's better to go to church with a friend. And I agree. Secondly, look out, not down. Look out, not down. 
Life on mission is about intersecting gospel intentionality into our everyday routines. Uh, a lot of you know this. I, I was, uh, and I mentioned this a lot, but I, I taught and I coached at Tanner uh, before I went into ministry full time. And I, I was like the, I was the guy that did history and taught driver's ed. Like I was that guy. You all had the coach. That was that guy, right? Well, that was me. And, uh, and I taught driver's ed. In fact, that's kind of how I landed the job there. So if you'll go take driver's ed, you can have it. And I said, great. And so uh, driver's ed, wow, make sure your kids get on lawnmowers and stuff before they go to driver's ed. <laughs> Just, you know, something, go-karts, something. Uh, I, I, remember having, uh, I remember having a guy, and we, we took a curve, and he took it pretty sharp and hard, and, and I pressed the brake that I had on my side, and I was like, oh, my word. I was like, what are you doing, man? And he said, I pressed stop, and I was like, there, there is no stop. What are, you, what are you talking about, right? Like, that's, that's the stuff that you run into. Uh, we, we had a, a girl that almost ran through a fence at a restaurant, um, and that was fun, too. Seriously, think about letting them drive something before they get there. But in driver's ed, one of the things that we would teach them is, is look out, not down. When we walk, we don't walk like this, and we don't look in front of our feet because we'll bump into someone we look up. When we drive, you don't need to look right over the front of the hood. You need to look out. Y'all, we can get so busy in our day from A to Z that we don't even see people that are described like this in the, in the scriptures. We don't even see people that are hurting and burdened. We don't see anybody because we're so consumed about what we've got going on. If you throw me off my schedule, I won't get to dinner on time. I won't get to see Monday Night Football, and I got my fantasy roster set. I got to get there. Like, we do those things. We may do it unintentional, but we're not really worried about your need because we've got to move on with our day. The guys that came Friday, I'm telling you, that's one of the best days that I, that I can work. It's, usually it's just me alone, and I can study for, you know, three or four hours and get it all hemmed up. And, and then th- there's a knock on the door, and there's an interruption. And I'm telling you the truth. There's a temptation within me to go, Gosh, I don't, I don't know if I got a time. I, I've got to do this. And then the Holy Spirit's like, "Are you serious? Like, are you thinking about what you're going to talk to people about?" And so, if if we continuously look down about our schedule and what we've got going on, no wonder we find ourselves away from church ourselves because we are only following our lead. Look out, not down. Allow interruptions. Look for opportunities. Give the Holy Spirit a chance to work. Thirdly, you got to live it, man. You got to live it. Your credibility gives so much influence to your invitation. You know, if you're on social media and you invite people to church on social media, but you've cussed up a storm the day before, it's going to kind of affect it. I'm just just being real. And we can get into another discussion another day about words and what they mean and all this kind of stuff, but... If you're not representing who he is on social media, but then you make an invitation to somebody to come to your church, don't think they're buying it. Don't think they're buying it. It's just credibility, right? Live it. And, and then and the next one is, is, is be here. Y'all, it's, it's really hard to invite people here to church if we're not here ourselves. And, and that's one of those things where, where, again, like it's the truth, and I want to say it with grace and love because we all got things going on and all those things. But this is the way it used to be. Seriously, if you'll indulge me. It used to be that we're going to get to church at least three out of four times a month. Now, it's become two out of four or one out of four. Do you think with me that that's one of the reasons we don't invite people? It's because we don't know if we're going to be here ourselves. And if, if that's the case, we really need to think about what's pulling us 
what's pushing us. Because I'm gonna, I will tell you this now, there, there, in other circumstances, I would have people at East that would contact me and say, hey, we can't be there today because we are sick or my wife's got something or whatever. And they'd be like, but somebody's coming today and they're going to visit. I promise you, this happens a lot. You invite somebody to church and they're going to show up when you're not there. They really will. You can give some testimony to that. So that basically what I'm saying is just always be here. <laughs> that way they won't miss you. But they're, they're, the truth is, for real, it, we're less likely to invite people to come to hear the word of God, to let God's spirit work through the word if we're not here. Finally, pray. Don't underestimate God's work in the heart of those that you are inviting. That God would use you to unlock something maybe inside them that would say, there's something I need, I know it. And maybe that's it. Prayer is really not, prayer should never be like a a step in the process though. It should never be a point on a page. Prayer is that red line that runs between everything all the time. Prayer is that demonstration of faith that even at the end of this service today, you may not need to get saved and you may not have anything going on. And maybe it is really the challenge to invite someone. So what we need to do as response is we need to get on our knees at this altar or right in our pew because we don't want to come down there and get within six feet for 15 minutes. And, and we, we need to just pray for somebody that's on our heart that we have tried and tried to get before God's word. You know, the Apostle Paul talked about how he would have a clean conscience before God because how he's gotten the word out. My word, my word. I'm not there yet, are you? I'm not there. Take all these things into consideration as God's spirit has worked in your heart and mind today. We'd invite you as Dwayne's coming with his, his team, that he's gonna come, he's gonna lead us in a time of invitation. And during this time of invitation, before we stand, I want you to consider these things. As we are talking, some of us have received this challenge like, yes, we've got to get back to it and we've got to get people coming back as we are going back because people need the Lord. But then there's this also, there's this invitation that's extended based off of what the scripture says that all of you who are weary and heavy laden, come unto Christ. And if you think, I don't know how to do that, why don't just let somebody help you? Let us talk with you. Let us represent the the humility and the gentleness of God in our conversation with you. Maybe you need to join the church and maybe you need to get baptized and God's unlocking all these things. So this is a time where we, through hospitality, give you an invitation to come and to respond. Let's stand to our feet. Lord, what an honor it is to preach your word. God, I thank you so much for how you have led us thus far And we pray, God, again, that you would continue. And, Father, as we are considering what you're doing in our heart, is there other people on our heart? And, God, maybe it's just us that needs to be right with you. Lord, I just pray that you would continue to draw us and give us the faith to take the next step to respond. Maybe that next step is out of the pew and down to the altar or out of the pew to hit in front of a a pastor or counselor that, that we can help someone. Lord, if there are people that need to be right with you, I pray that they would call upon your name to be saved out of a heart of repentance. Lord, and for the church, would you use your church for your glory to extend the invitation to come and see. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.